Welcome to the Living Hope Church audio podcast. Join us weekly as Pastor Jeff Myers shares from God's Word. If you'd like more information about Living Hope Church of Dixon, California, please visit our website at livinghopedixon.com. We are going to continue on in our series um, that we've uh, called uh, From This Day Forward, where we're talking about Five commitments to fail-proof your marriage. Why? Because failure isn't an option, especially right here. I want our church to be known as a place where marriages and families thrive. Amen? We we want to be that kind of church. And and so if there's anything we can do to improve our shots of of a successful marriage, then we want to... We want to do that. We want to do that. And so we're going to talk about that this morning. And, and uh, by the way, happy uh, Memorial Day weekend, everybody. And, and uh, take some time this weekend to not only to, to eat some meat, which you should, um, but to um, actually, you know, remember those who have uh, given up their lives for our freedom. Uh, it's not a small thing. It's not a small thing. And, and we shouldn't take it for granted. Amen? Amen. All right. So, our, uh, so we've, been, we've been talking about these five commitments. And they are, we're, we're going to go through them real fast. The first one that we talked about was seek God. Seek God. We're, we're, we want to be, uh, uh, you know, seeking God. And we talked about how if you're married, you need, you're going to always seek your one, God, with your two, your spouse. And, and then we, we talked about if you're single, you want to be um, pr- uh, preparing for marriage by seeking or seeking the one, God, while you prepare for your two, your spouse. And, uh, and so just be a people that is seeking God. Last week we talked about how, it's, how important it is to fight fair, uh, that we, want, we don't want to be uh, throwing out those uh, words, those statements, those threats that tend to shut people down, destroy our, our insides, you know, that we, we want to we fight fair. You're going to fight in a marriage. Um, it's, it's inevitable. Um, I don't know. In fact, you know, that's a funny story. When I was a teenager, there was a girl in my youth group that... Um, um, that she used to say her parents never fought, <laughs> and, and nobody believed her. And she said, seriously, my parents never, have never had a fight, ever. And we were like, okay. And then uh, one day, she stayed home sick from school, and uh, her parents forgot that she was there and, and had a big knockdown drag out. And she came to the next youth group just bawling because she thought her parents were going to get a divorce. She had never heard it happen before, right? And it was just that, it, 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 it just gonna, it's inevitable. At some point, you're going to have a disagreement. At some point, you're going to have an argument. Make sure when you do it, you fight fair. There's, there's, there's a great proverb that says, um, um, it's better to, for, better to live on the corner of a rooftop than with a nagging woman. Better to live on the corner of a rooftop than with a nagging woman. Now, um, that basically, you know, now you may be the wife that, that's saying, you don't understand, my hu- husband is the biggest jerk in the world, and, and, and this is all I have to say about that. It still does not negate the fact that God feels sorry for him that he has to live with you. All right? Now, on the, on the flip side, there's a great verse that says, uh, uh, better a bad case of hemorrhoids than to live with the jerk of a, of a husband. Um, that was found in Second Jeff. Uh, uh, now that's not in the Bible, but it should be, shouldn't it? That should be in the Bible, shouldn't it? So anyway, so we're gonna we need to fight for it. Today we're gonna talk about how important it is to have fun as a couple. Next week uh, we'll we'll talk about the importance of uh, staying pure, uh, both before marriage and uh, in your marriage as well. And then we're gonna uh, cap it all off with a commitment to never give up. <clears throat> so, so here we go. All right. So I'm going to read this scripture to you. It's a good one. 
when we talk about, it's in Ecclesiastes, if you want to flip over there. Um, when we talk about the importance of having fun in marriage, it really, really is uh, it re- really critical that you have fun. That you, um, and this is what happens to most marriages, that uh, you start off in kind of that dating um, atmosphere where it's, you know, you're going out on dates all the time. That's all, it's all you can do, really. <clears throat> so you're, you're dating, you're doing fun things, you're going fun places, you're thinking about where can we go <clears throat> that's just a, that we can have fun. Where, you know, let's go, what movie can we go see? What, what, where can we go hike? Where can we go? This, you know, we're just, you're just constantly thinking that way. And then when you get married, oftentimes that where can we go attitude uh, just completely shuts down. Just completely shuts down. And sometimes it's for good reason. Sometimes, you know, the, the money's not as, as great as, are you flying airplanes there, sweetie? <laughs> My daughter just flew, 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 I'm sorry, I just embarrassed her. I apologize for that. Anyway, so, um, anyway, so we, that, that, um, that okay, that, um, that attitude of, of, of fun a lot of times goes away when, when, you know, money crunches hit or just the busyness of life. Um, you know, whatever, it kind of settles in. And a, a lot of times you lose that spirit of fun that was so great. And, and I, hear, I hear this from couples all the time when I do counseling. It's like, he's not the same person he was when we were dating. Or she's not the same person she was when we were dating. That, that we used to have fun. We used to enjoy doing things together. And now we're just like roommates that barely even speak to each other. And, and kind of the fun has been sucked out of marriage, Right. And it's, it's so common. Now, now, just because it's common doesn't mean it's the thing to do, okay? Just because it's normal course of life for that kind of thing to set in in a marriage doesn't mean that you should just accept it, okay? Like the normal course of my life is to just get fatter and fatter and fatter every single year, right? It doesn't mean I'm going to accept it. Some days I accept it, but most days I try to resist that, you know, urge just to, just to be fat and happy, all right? So, because fat and happy isn't really fat and happy, is it? It's fat and miserable most of the time. And, and, and it's the same thing in your marriage. You can be kind of boring and, and uh, miserable, or you can choose to kind of keep the fun alive in your marriage. And, and I want to challenge you to make that kind of choice. So Ecclesiastes 9.9 says this. It says, enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Now, this is, uh, um, the, you know, we did a series on Ecclesiastes not too long ago, um, and the writer of Ecclesiastes is, uh, Ecclesiastes is actually uh, Solomon, King Solomon, and he, uh, he's kind of going through a dark place in his life when he writes Ecclesiastes. He's very negative and everything. So when you read this, it's like, wow, that sounds uh, very chipper. You know, enjoy life with your wife in this vain life because that's your portion, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it, it doesn't really sound that hopeful, but when, when you really get down to what he's saying here, it really, he, what he's saying when he says that's your portion in life, uh, 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 in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Basically, he's what saying. He's saying, enjoy life with your spouse. Why? Because this is God's reward to you for all the hard work that you do. Enjoy life with your spouse. You are working hard all the time. God's reward for you is he gave you this beautiful husband, this beautiful wife that you get to enjoy life with. Enjoy him. Enjoy her. Now, some of you are thinking, 
whew, that was my reward. Did, did I get like fifth place? Well, what happened? You know, I mean, you know, that, that sort of thing. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, it is, it is what you make it. It is what you make it, okay? And so, so we're going to get into today about, you know, how can you make that better? But this is the, this is the, the fun, kind of our fun tip number one that we want to learn from, from this passage. Uh, and that's this, that marriage was designed to be enjoyed. Marriage was designed to be enjoyed. Now, I know a lot of people think that marriage was, you know, it was designed, you know, for functional purposes, you know, to keep the population up and things like that or or whatever. Um, But the fact of the matter is marriage was designed to be enjoyed. When God instituted marriage, he did it with the fact that you would be enjoying it in mind. That's what he had in mind. And a lot of times around here we say, um, if you're not having fun at church, you're not doing it right, right? And, and it's kind of, the, I think, the same principle in marriage. If you're not having fun in your marriage, you're not doing it right. So I just, just ask yourself, you don't have to raise your hand, you don't have to point it at anybody. In fact, that's a really horrible idea. Um, but ask yourself where you sit right now, if you're married, am I having fun in my marriage? Am I having fun in my marriage? And if the answer to that is honestly no, then you're just not doing it right. You're not doing it right. And you need to know that a fun marriage can be had. An enjoyable marriage can be had. I tell couples this all the time whenever I'm counseling with them that when we're praying together, I always pray, God, we know that, that you don't just want their marriage to survive, but you want it to thrive. And, and, and I believe that with everything in me. I believe that God has a thriving marriage in store and plan for you. But it, it's one of those things, just like anything else that is worthwhile in life, it doesn't come naturally and it doesn't come easily. Sometimes it's got to be worked for. Sometimes, you know, the best things in life that, that really kind of pay off in life, are have, you have to be intentional about. You have to be intentional. You can't just expect that accidentally it's going to happen. I think, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of thought that, uh, I had all these uh, misconceived ideas about marriage when I first, you know, when I entered into marriage. And, um, like, I, I just had in my mind that, that um, you know, I would find the person that I was in love with and that I wanted to marry, and then everything was just going to be great after that. Like, it was just going to be naturally great. And, and I really believe that. In fact, I, I also had some different ideas. Like, like I, I, as a teenager, as a young, young man in my 20, you know, early 20s and stuff like that, I struggled a lot with with, uh, you know, lust, just constantly thinking about, you know, girls. And you know, the ch- I worked for a chaplain in the Army, and he used to just make fun of me all the time because one of my jobs was to drive him around. And I, I got in, almost got into so many wrecks driving him around just because I was staring at girls and other cars and stuff like that. And I, I just, I was just constantly, I had these wandering kind of lustful eyes, right? And I honestly believed in my heart. I really, I'm not making this up. I honestly believed that when I got married, that lust would just magically go away. I thought that. I thought, well, well, I, I'm actually going to have a, a person that I love in my life, that I enjoy being with, that I, I, I get to have sex with, so that, that lust will just automatically go away. And what I found was, what everybody told me all along the way that I'd never ever listened to, was that the choices you make today impact your future. And what I found was after I got married, the lust did not magically go away. It was something that was still present in my life that I had to come to terms with and deal with. And so, for those of you that are single in the room, I would say if you're a person that struggles in that area of your life, don't think it's magically going to go away when you get married and everything's going to be great. 
Instead, begin to deal with it now. Begin to pray about it now. Begin to ask God to help you with that struggle now so that it doesn't haunt you later, in your, later on in your marriage uh, when it can do some serious damage. When it can do some serious damage. So, again, all these mis- misconceived ideas. The fact of the matter is, marriage was hard work. Got into marriage, and as much as I love Jamie, as happy as we were together, it was also a lot of work. It was also a lot of work. And, and it still is, to this day, a lot of work. It's work that's worth it, though. As, as in, again, anything that's worthwhile in life is worth the work that you put into it. So, let's look at this passage right here. Song of Solomon. <coughs> Everybody just perked up a little bit. Song of Solomon, chapter 7. We're going to start with verse 6, okay? Um, so let me, let me set this up real fast, though, because Song of Solomon, you have to know, a little, if, you, if you have no exposure to church, you're getting ready to just get shocked, okay? Um, because Song of Solomon is, is basically a love poem. Actually, it's kind of a love poem drama. Uh, it's, it's, it was written kind of as a play of a lover and his beloved. And, and, um, and so it's, it's a romantic, it's, it's, it's a dramatic poem about love. Now, a, a, a lot of people have, you know, biblical scholars over the year have tried to um, take, because it's got some relatively uh, graphic uh, language and graphic imagery in it, romantically speaking, um, and a lot of people are uncomfortable with that in their Bibles. And, and so a lot of biblical scholars over the years have tried to explain it in a way is that it's an allegory of the love of God towards us and everything like that. And there might be a little bit of truth in that, but honestly, I think it's, I think it's a... I think it's about love. I think it's about human romantic love is what I think is what it's primarily about. And there's nothing wrong with that. Amen? You guys don't even believe that, do you? There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. We're going to get into that in a second, too. You guys, uh, I just, you just put a whole new sermon in my head. Here we go. Okay, here we go. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, starting with verse 6. <clears throat> says this, How beautiful and pleasant you are, O loved ones, uh, with all your delights. Your stature is like a palm tree, and your breasts are like its cluster. Some of you just woke up for the first time. I say I will climb the palm tree and lay hold of its fruit. Oh, may your breasts be like clusters of the vine, and the scent of your breath like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. It goes down smoothly for my beloved, gliding over lips and teeth. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. So this is a, so, so let, me, let me go ahead and uh, transition to the this, this next tip that we're going to talk about for a little bit now is that one of the, the keys to make sure you're having fun at, in your marriage is, is this, enjoy intimacy, enjoy intimacy with each other. It is, it is absolutely critical. I, in all my years of doing marriage counseling, I have never once heard the couple that, that sat down in front of me and said something like, um, um, our marriage is absolutely, absolutely falling apart. We are on the verge of divorce, but our sex life is wonderful. I've never heard that statement, ever. Now, I'm not saying I never will. I'm just saying so far, never heard that statement. And I'm not saying that the key to a happy marriage is, is a great sex life. I'm saying it is a, a strong indicator of a happy marriage, of a happy marriage. And one of the great things about marriage is that God 
created man and woman in such a way that we actually get to enjoy each other's bodies. Now, you guys are like, oh, I don't want to hear my pastor talk about that. <laughs> Too late. Buckle in and we're going, we're going for it, okay? Now, you, you actually get to enjoy each other's bodies in a marriage, and God designed it that way. It's not like one day up in heaven, God was looking down at Adam and Eve, and they were fooling around. He's like, whoa, whoa, how did that happen? You know, I didn't expect to see that coming. Not, that's not, that was not God's thing. He designed it that way from the very beginning. It wasn't just for procreation, it was also for recreation, I would say. That it was, it was God's design that we be able to enjoy each other. Now this is what, I've, again, I've talked to enough people, I know this is um, indicative of some of your marriages. There are some of you right now, uh, it could be the, the, the husband, it could be the wife. Generally speaking, it tends to be the wife, but it, not always. There are some of you right now that because of either mistakes you've made in your past or abuse that you've experienced in your past, you have extremely uh, guilty feelings when it comes to sex. You feel guilty. It's hard for you to, to engage in that with your spouse and not feel some sense of guilt or shame or something negative, and you're struggling through that. And to you, I would say, um, that is Satan trying to destroy your marriage. That is nothing more than Satan trying to destroy your marriage. And I, and I would challenge you to not let that stay the way it is. To seek some help, to seek some counseling, to help you through those feelings so you can get... You, not only do you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your spouse. Um, it, 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 it should be something that is somewhat enjoyable, somewhat enjoyable in your, in, in your marriage. And it should be. It should be. It should be wonderful. It absolutely should be wonderful. And if it's not, if, there, if, there, if you have some mental hang-ups about it, seek some resolution to those hang-ups. If you have uh, maybe, maybe some physical hang-ups about it, there are, uh, you know, talk to your doctor about those physical hang-ups. Don't just give up on this ever being a satisfying part of your life. Uh, again, it, it's, it, I, I honestly believe it's too important for you just to simply give up on. Now, if, if, you, if there's a situation in your life, a, a serious physical limitation um, that, that causes um, this to be an issue for you. And, and, there, and let's say you've talked to your doctor and there's nothing that can really be done about it. It's just you've been told you're just going to have to live with this. There are other forms of intimacy than just sexual intercourse. And I would say whatever it takes for you to feel intimate with that person that God has blessed you with as a spouse, seek out that intimacy. You, you need that closeness. You need it. And it's, it's, so, it's so absolutely important. Now, for those of you that are, <coughs> that are single in the room, um, that intimacy is something that God has kind of hardwired into all of us to kind of desire and want. And, you know, we want that in our lives in some way. And I would say, um, like we talked about that first week, your, your, your primary role is, is seek the one, God, seek your one while you're preparing for your two. And seek out that intimacy with God. Allow God, and this is when I was a single man, this is the, I, I reached a point in my life where, where I, um, I wanted nothing more than for God to be completely sufficient for all my needs. For me not to constantly crave the attention of another person, but for me to constantly crave God in a greater way in my life. And I would say, again, as, as Jesus said, uh, you know, seek Seek his kingdom first, and then all these things will be added to you. Seek him out first, and all these things will be added to you. All right? So, intimacy. Yay. All right, so...
Scripture, let's keep going. Uh, Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 7, starting verse 11. It says this. Come, my beloved, let us go out into the fields and lodge in the villages. Let us go out early to the vineyards and see whether the vines have budded, whether the grape blossoms have opened and the pomegranates are in bloom, and there I will give you my love. And the, the, the tip I want to I throw in right now is this. Schedule time together. He's like, let's go. Let's go do something. We want to go and check out the, the vineyards and do all this. Let's, let's go. Schedule time together. Now, now, at first off, you're like, really schedule? Um, that doesn't sound very romantic, scheduling things. Shouldn't it just be spontaneous and, and you know, that sort of thing? And, and honestly, when I, when I was first kind of putting this together, my, the first word I had, had there was, was plan time together. And, um, but then as I, the more I got to think about, if you guys are like anything, if you're anything like me, uh, a lot of times the plans of my life just stay plans. You know what I'm talking about? The, sometimes I plan things that never really happen. But if I schedule something, if I actually put it on my calendar, if I actually, uh, you know, plan it in a way that, that I put a date and a time on it, um, then those are the things in my life that actually get done. And I would say this, that when it comes to you spending time together as a couple, it is something worthy of a schedule. It is something worthy of your calendar because it, is, it should be one of the biggest priorities of your life. Now, if you're a young couple, you may not quite identify with what I'm getting ready to talk about, but those of you that are, are married couples that have, say, multiple kids and your life is just busy, busy, busy all the time and it seems like you never, you know, you're working and you never get a moment to breathe, <coughs> you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. There are some of you in this room that have not been on a date with your wife or your husband and you can't even count on both hands the number of years. There are some of you in this room that, that you have just completely stopped dating. And it's not that you hate him or her. It's that you have convinced yourself, we, what, date? We don't have the time for that. We don't have the money for that. What, what, what kind of world are you living in that you think we can go out on dates, right? And I'm telling you, you have got to make it a priority. It's one of the first pieces of advice I always give to couples when I'm, when I'm doing counseling with them is start dating again. You have to do it. Jamie and I have a weekly date. We go out on a date with each other every single week. And don't tell me about your schedules. We've got four kids, and I work one full-time job, and she works two part-time jobs, and, and, and then we're taking care of the house and everything else too. We, we have a busy, busy, busy life, but we make it a priority in our life to spend time one-on-one -on -one with each other away from the kid, all right? Why do we do that? One, because I love her and I want to invest in my relationship with her. But two, because I love my kids. One of the best, if you're married in this room, one of the best things that you can do for your kids, husbands, is to date your wife. Wives, one of the best things that you can do for your kids is date your husband. Because the stronger your marriage is and the stronger you build up your marriage, the stronger your family is. And if you want to invest in the future of your kids, invest in the future of your marriage. Invest in that time with each other. It is absolutely critical that you spend time with one another. Now, some of you haven't been on a date with your wife or your husband in so long that you, you forgot even how to do it. So I'm going to teach you again, okay? So, so this is how, how to date your spouse. And by the way, um, when it comes to dating 
uh, you know, your spouse, well, I'll get to it. I'll get to it in a second. Here we go. So how to date your spouse. First thing is this. Uh, you need to keep date night sacred. Pick a date night and keep it, keep it sacred. You know, the Bible talks about a Sabbath where, you know, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy and that sort of thing. We're, we're, we're supposed to set aside a day that's just for God. I, I, you got to set aside some time every week that's just for your spouse. Honor, keep it, you know, set a date night and keep it sacred. That means nothing gets in the way of it unless it's an absolute, you know, dead-on emergency, right? Nothing gets in the way of your date night. That, that if the buddies call and they're like, hey, it's poker night, come on over. No, I got date night with my wife tonight. I can't do it. If, if, if the girls are calling and they're like, hey, it's poker night, come over. I don't know what you guys do. And, and, um, and so, um, no, absolutely not. I, I got date night with my husband, right? You, you, you stay, you locked into that, again, unless it's an emergency. Let your husband, let your wife know that, no, this time is sacred to me. I'm going to keep it no matter what. I'm going to keep it no matter what. Uh, the, the, the second thing is this, budget for it. Budget for it. Um, now, date, date night does not have to be expensive. Okay? You don't have to spend a lot of money dating your spouse. Um, it can be as simple as, you know, let's go get a Starbucks. It can be as simple as, you know, let's take a walk around the block, you know, just spend some time holding hands and, and talking. It can be anything. But I, I guarantee you, Jamie and I, you know, we have a budget that, that we um, look at occasionally. And, um, and, and on that budget, there is a line item for us that says date night. We have a date night line item. We, we plan a, a chunk of money every month that we will spend on each other on a date night. And that, you know, it could be a dinner and a movie or dinner or a movie. It could be, um, that's really about all we do. And um, no, it, well, we do more. We do, we do other things too. But, it's, but we set aside time. We set aside money to make sure that that happens. Absolutely make sure that it happens. Um, this one, the third one, talk mostly about yourselves. This is, the, this is the tricky one. Okay, this is the tricky one. Because what happens, especially if you're not, if this is not part of your regular routine, You'll get off by yourselves, and you'll, you'll, you'll spend two, three hours talking about the kids, or you'll spend two, three hours talking about work or, or whatever else, and, and it's, it's almost impossible not to, and so you have to be very intentional about this. Spend time talking about yourselves, and you're like, I don't, I, really? Can I, can, is that even possible to talk for a couple hours about me and her? Is that, can we really do that? And, and so I, 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 I'm constantly trying to think of, what are some questions I can ask her that will kind of get conversation going? Now, I'm blessed to be married to a woman that, that, that getting conversation going with her is not usually a problem. And, uh, and so, so but, but a few little verbal cues can really get things going and help us to have some great conversations. Let me share something with you. Go put that, put that next part up. <clears throat> this is a great question. One of the, I think it's one of the best questions you can ask. Is there anything you need from me that you're not getting? Is there anything in your life right now that you feel like you need from me that, that, I, that I'm just not giving you? And that can open up a, a whole can of worms that, 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 is, that can be talked about in a healthy way, especially on a date night like that. This is a question I asked recently. I was thinking, what's a, what's a good question I can ask Jamie tonight? And I asked this one. Do you have any dreams that I don't know about? Because it just occurred to me that, that in, in our life, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor, and so a lot of our life has been uh, following my calling. You know, we've moved from place to place, you know, a few times, and, and it's always been in, in, in the pursuit of God's calling on my life. Now, Jamie is a partner with me in that, that calling, and she is, she's fully bought into that. It's not like I neglect her in that. She's a part of that calling. 
But, but it just, I just know that when we were dating, uh, Jamie used to talk about her dreams all the time. When we were in college, she had, she had lots and lots of dreams, and they were big dreams. And we hadn't talked about that in a very, very long time, and it just, it just hit me. I, I thought, I'm going to ask Jamie, do you have any dreams right now in your life that I, that I, don't, need, that I don't know about? Because if she does, I want, I want to know. I want to help her pursue those dreams, right? And so that was a great conversation starter. And then, and then just a simple, something as simple as, you know, you're sitting across the table at dinner. How can I be praying for you right now? What's going on in your life that I could be praying for you about? And again, it just gets conversation going. Those are just a few. You could probably come up with better ones on your own, but, but get the conversation going about each other. Now, for Jamie and I, you know, the, the, the temptation for us is to, is to, you know, fall back on just talking about church because, um, well, it's actually worked for both of us. You know, it's, I mean, we enjoy our church life and it's great, but it's my job, right? And so, so we have to kind of, now for you, church may be a perfectly acceptable conversation to talk about your spiritual life and things like that. Uh, but but uh, for us, we kind of try to avoid that because it's tied to our work, but whatever. Just, just spend some time talking about each other. It's critical, okay? The, the fourth one is this. Um, you want to get away overnight annually, at least once a year, Get away together, away from the kids, oh, at least for one night, once a year. Do that. And again, it doesn't have to be expensive. It does not have to be a big, expensive thing. Um, write this down in, in your notes. If, if, if Some of you may already know about it. There's a great um, website and weekly email that comes out from a website called TravelZoo.com. TravelZoo.com. And you sign up to receive this weekly email. It's, every week it sends you 20 uh, travel deals, and a lot of them are centered right around here in Northern California, and it's great stuff like a bed and breakfast in Napa that's normally $200 a night is $75 or something like that, and so we're constantly, uh, you know, looking at those and, you know, looking for the budget getaway, right, and so, uh, but, but make time, and this is, the, this is the principle behind getting away, uh, uh, you know, once a year is this. It's, it's actually the same principle that we employ in uh, our teen ministry here at the church. In teen ministry, um, we have a, a weekly date night with your kids. That's our Wednesday night meeting. We want to get them here, have some fun with them, and get into the Word with them a little bit like that. And, and, and it's, you know, it's an hour or so, and, and, and that's great, right? But once a year, twice a year, we do a camp where it's multiple nights away. And, we, and one week of camp uh, is honestly equivalent to probably more than a year's worth of Wednesday nights. It's more intensive. You make a stronger connection. You they really get to know each other. Friendships are built. It's the same thing. It's the same thing in the context of your marriage. That weekly date night is good for just regular maintenance of your marriage. But when it comes to the overnighter, you can do more in an overnight away in terms of reconnecting and, and, and bonding, you know, that sort of thing. Um, in an overnighter than you can in a, you know, oftentimes a year's worth of date nights. Now, they are not mutually exclusive, though. Same thing with a teen ministry. If all your kid ever does is show up once a year to camp, then he, will, he or she will be living this cycle of, okay, I'm on fire for God in the summer, and then it wanes, and then it wanes, and it wanes, and then I'm way away from God, and then I'm screwing up, and then, oh, my gosh, I need to repent, and I'm coming back. Hey, it's camp time. I'm going to repent, right? And it's that thing. And it's the same thing if, if you just do the, uh, you know, the little vacation with your spouse and never do the date night. It's the same thing. You grow apart, you grow apart, you grow apart, and then, oh, great weekend, and we're feeling close, and then you spend the next year growing apart again. And you don't want that. You need both of them together. So that's, that's how you do that, okay? Let's keep going. So um, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you a scripture that you've probably heard before, <coughs> um, but you've never heard it this way because I'm reading it out of context. Um, 
and I don't normally read scriptures out of context, and, it, <coughs> and it's really not completely out of context. It's, it's a, it, there's a spiritual meaning to this, to this scripture, but well, you, you'll see what I say when we get into it. So Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. <coughs> in, this, <coughs> <pardon me. coughs> in this passage, uh, the, the apostle John is, um, has been shown several letters to seven different churches. And um, in this, this one particular letter, the, uh, the, the message that is given to this church is this. Revelation 2, starting with verse 4. It says this, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, the principle, the, the, the kind of in-context principle of this passage is, is that of a church who, has, who is doing some good things, but they have lost their first love. Like that song that we sing occasionally, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. We've, they've, they've lost their focus on Jesus and his grace, and they've lost that first love. They're, they've become kind of a social church or a social gospel church but they've lost the first love of Jesus. And he's saying, repent and come back to that which, is, uh, that, that which you had at the first. Now, the reason it's only slightly, what I'm getting ready to say is only slightly out of context is because over and over we're, the, the, the Bible uh, compares our relationship with God to that of a marriage. And so I think in a, in a slight way I can make the same comparison. That those of you in your marriages at one time had a love that you felt was so strong, so strong that you said, will you marry me? Right? That's not, a, that's not a small thing. It's not a small thing. And you felt that love so strong. And then over the years, that love has waned and waned and waned until it got to be um, mediocre, until it got to be just commonplace to where you began to take it for granted. And I think that God's message to this church, it would be the same message that he would give to you today. Go back to that first love. Go back to making your spouse the kind of priority in, a, in the kind of way that honors God and honors him or her. Um, it is absolutely, absolutely important that you do this. Now, I'm going to give you some homework. Ready? Uh, the first bit of homework is this. It's the one I've been giving you every week. Keep praying with and for each other. Keep praying with and for each other. Every single day, pray with your, sp- pray with your spouse, pray for your spouse. Um, just touch base with them. How can I be praying for you today? The second one is this, start dating again. If you have not been dating your wife, guys, I say this all the time, if you're not dating your wife, somebody else will. If you're not dating your wife, somebody else will. And your marriage is too important, is too uh, just foundational to who you are as a man, guys, for you to just hope it happens great by accident. Be intentional about it. And the third one is this, um, get frisky, all right? Get frisky. Renew, you know, light that spark again in your marriage. You're like, seriously, is my pastor assigning um, um, that? And I'm, yes, he is. Yes, he is. Get, 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 get with one another. Get, get intimate with one another. In whatever way you guys experience intimacy together, make it happen. 
Not only do I want us to be the church that is known around this community as, that has the healthiest marriages, the healthiest families, I would love it if we were the church that had the healthiest sex lives of any other church in town. That would just be so great. We might be able to put that on a t-shirt. It might not be appropriate. I don't know. But, um, but I just think that would be great. In, in a way that honors each other, in a way that honors God. Guys, this is not something dirty we're talking about. This is not something, this is, this is sex the way God designed it to be uh, in, 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 the, in the context of a marriage with the one he placed you with. You should embrace that. If, in fact, uh, I would say this, you should be having sex in such a way that it brings about worship. That's not even a joke. That's not even a joke. I would say if your sex is not bringing about worship, you're not doing it right, okay? It should be something that, 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 that draws you not only closer to one another, but closer to God. And don't think it's a small thing, it's not. But have fun together in, in, with, with your dates and with your getaways, with your intimacy with one another. Enjoy the marriage that God has given you. It was meant to be enjoyed. If you're not enjoying your marriage, have some conversations with your spouse. I'm not enjoying my marriage. Are you um, you know, that sort of thing. Or you might start it off by asking him or her first, so you don't, don't throw that out there. Um, but anyway, but, but just get it, you know, get that conversation. What can we do to experience some enjoyment that we've kind of lost in our marriage? And, and get it going again. It's too, this, guys, you may look at this one, if you go back to, you don't have to go back to it, but that slide of our five commitments, you may look at this one, the have fun commitment, as probably the least important of the five, and I would strongly disagree with you strongly disagree with you because why this is actually the part the, the one of the commitments that i think takes the most work it's the regular maintenance and investing into your marriage right it's 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 this is the way you show your spouse uh, you actually mean enough to me that i'm going to take time for you this week you actually mean enough to me that uh i'm going to spend some time uh you know planning a getaway by the way um, a lot, guys, a lot of times we tend to think of romance as the women's department. I'm going to disagree with you there. I think it is squarely on your shoulders. Squarely on, do not wait for her to come and ask you out on a date. Do not wait for her to ask you away for a weekend or whatever. You do the planning. You plan it. And then deal with the fallout of what your mistakes that you made in the planning. Okay? <laughs> All right? That's the, way, <laughs> that's the way that works. All right? Let's pray. Father, we love you, and uh, we just thank you so much for your word uh, today, and we thank you that you are a God <coughs> that did design this institution of marriage uh, with enjoyment in mind, and thank you so much. We thank you uh, for, the, for the spouses that you've given us, for the spouses that you are planning to give us. Uh, God, we thank you so much for creating sex in such a way that it was uh, meant to be enjoyed, and, uh, and uh, we, we thank you so much for that. God, you're such a good God. And so, God, for, for marriages in the room that maybe are struggling in this area in, in terms of just uh, enjoying each other's company, God, I pray that you would uh, just put a fire in their bellies to, to get to know their spouse again, to reconnect with them in a way that is meaningful, that is fun, that is enjoyable. And, uh, God, I pray blessings on all those marriages. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So before we, before we dismiss a, a couple of things, one, uh, uh, we, we have our DHS graduation coming up this week. We have several Living Hope grad, graduates. Uh, they are, none of them are here. I think we're going to be recognizing them next service. But just so you know, uh, we have uh, Serena Fuller. Uh, we have um, Wolfie Riedel. Uh, we have 
Zach Page, and we have um, Justin Giardino. If you see any of those uh, uh, men and women out in the community, uh, congratulate them and let them know how much uh, you appreciate them. Now, this is what I'm going to do. You know, you can put those baskets away. We're going to have, um, you guys have, been, have seen the news and you know, um, um, you know, what's been going on in Oklahoma. It's been all over the news. <coughs> um, this town of Moore that got hit so hard, it's, um, it's, it's, it's my birthplace. The, the Moore is where I was born. Moore is where my parents met at, at the college that Jamie and I went to and began dating. And, and um, um, Moore is where, um, you know, I got my degree, where, where we were living when Molly was born. And um, um, I, I said earlier in the week that some of the best years of my life were spent in Moore. And I know those streets were destroyed. In fact, uh, that, that, that tornado path, the house my uh, little brother lived in the first house that he bought was is no longer there it was just completely decimated and uh in fact the, the little duplex that jamie and i lived in is not there anymore either and um it breaks my heart to see what these guys are going through and and the you know the loss and especially the loss of life in some cases and, and i know that the news has talked a lot about you know the is it 25 or 26 deaths that uh, that have been recorded and honestly um not to take any of those lives lightly in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's a straight-up miracle. It was only 26 from what I've seen on the news. And, um, and so uh, some of you have, have asked about, you know, is, is Living Hope going to do anything? And so this is what we're going to do. We're going to uh, receive a special offering this morning. And um, uh, this offering is going to go to uh, the college that Jamie and I attended there, more Hillsdale College. And what, what's happening right now at Hillsdale is they have become a hub for emergency response teams coming in. Their gym has been set, almost turned into like a free Walmart. They got a whole store there where people can come in and get stuff, and they're also taking stuff out in the community. But all these, World Vision is one of the teams. They brought in about 100 people. But Hillsdale has basically opened up their dorms and their cafeteria to house and feed all these emergency relief workers. And uh, they're doing that on their own dime um, and hoping for donations to come in. So the gift that you give today will keep those workers out there working and helping people that need the help so desperately. And, uh, and so this is what we're going to do. As, as we pray, I'm going to say a special prayer for, for those people. And then um, uh, when we dismiss, would you just come up here and uh, put your gift in this, in this uh, fishbowl? And um, just, just, you know, and, and Jamie and I were talking, we're going we're gonna to give what we would have spent on lunch today for our family and instead go home and eat bologna. And, um, and so uh, just, just talk amongst each other and, and decide what God would have you give right now. And, but let's bless, let's just bless and let's bless their socks off. Father, we love you. And um, we, um, we offer up prayers this morning for those that have been affected, affected by these tornadoes and, and um, uh, especially for those that lost loved ones, especially for those that lost children. Um, Father, I, um, I ask for your peace and for your comfort for them. I ask for you to, God, right now I know that the, the church there in the Oklahoma City area is mobilized and on the move and doing what the church is supposed to do. And I'm so thankful for the beauty of that. And God, we want to join in with them this morning and uh, do what we can. So I pray that you would take whatever is given this morning and just use it to, um, to further your gospel, to... Um, to bring people closer to you, to meet needs that need to be met. We love you. 
and uh, we just lift them up and, and ask for your blessings on them. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Everybody, you're dismissed. The jar is up here. Give generously.